We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Get the As Charged podcast. My name is Steven. I am your host, as always. Happy to be here to do our very first draft ranking video. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun, a lot of debate. Really excited about it. Uh, and joining me to do that are my guys, Alex and Tyler. Alex, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I did a nine-mile hike today, so I am loopy, I am tired, and I am ready to rank all 10, 15 receivers the Chargers won't draft. Let's go. Hey, nine-mile hike, man. I uh, I respect that. That's a, that's a lofty hike. Yeah. Well, uh, Tyler, did you do any hiking today? How are you doing, man? I mean, I hiked over to the restroom, took a dump, and that's about it. That's <laughs> as far as I go. I, I sat up from my chair. You know, I adjusted my chair a little bit. So I got some squats in sitting up and down from my chair, but that's about it. Yeah, standing disc <laughs> calories. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're good. I mean, it, it's Sunday. Today's the day off. Today's the rest day. So, you know, watch some film and, and hang out. So uh, I, I think, you know, unless your name is Juwan Howard, you're probably feeling pretty good right now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that being said, we are going to talk about uh, our receiver rankings but first and foremost we do have to discuss uh some latest uh, some of the latest coaching changes that have happened to the chargers they of course officially hired brendan nugent uh as the offensive line coach to replace frank smith so uh we did talk about that during our last episode so if you mm -hmm. missed that you can go check that out i don't want to spend too much time on that um and then in additional news the chargers did hire uh Chris Gold, I think his name is, uh, Robbie Gold's brother as special teams assistant. He's going to be working uh, with Ryan Ficken as the assistant special teams coach. Uh, the Chargers did uh, fire both Darius Swinton and the former special teams assistant. So we're looking at a new special teams assistant in the form of Coach Gold. And then also a, a rather puzzling move, in my opinion. They have hired Mike Highstand, formerly of the Broncos, as an offensive assistant, uh, Mike Highstand was an assistant defensive line coach for the Broncos, previously defensive coordinator of some Division II college, and played linebacker at Iowa. So unless Field Yates had a typo, uh, pretty confused there. But Tyler, what do you make of these two uh, decisions by Brandon Staley to add to his staff? 
uh, yay, I guess. And he's bringing <laughs> in guys that he's worked with or knows. That's awesome. I don't have much to add. It is a very puzzling out of, of high stand. I don't know what his role would. I mean, I know what his role is going to be. I just don't know why that's his role. So maybe he's helping out with the scout team in some way to help prepare the defense. But otherwise, it, it's definitely odd. But now they have, I think, four assistant or quality control guys on the on their offensive staff which is basically going to be a set of guys that they can promote next year when Joe Lombardi, Kevin Coger, Shane Day, those guys probably leave, at least two of the three of those guys, I think. So they're making a good preemptive move here, but the highest end one being an offensive assistant rather than a defensive one doesn't really make sense. But if he's working with the scout team, then I guess that makes some sense. Yeah, um, not a ton of takeaways other than uh, I want Robbie Gold's brother to tamper and get Robbie Gold. Uh, that, that's <laughs> that's my only takeaway from this list. Um, you know, high stand. I I hadn't haven't looked into him a lot, but that is a little bit confusing that he was sort of a defensive guy and now is an offensive assistant. I uh, don't know what to make of that, but also I don't really know what an offensive assistant's role is, and I'm sure that that kind of differs from team to team. Uh, a little bit. I thought it was interesting that, yeah, Chris Beatty uh, is interviewing as a wide receivers coach to be the offensive coordinator of the Vikings. Um, that one kind of caught me by surprise. Uh, I, but I guess, you know, you kind of point to Mike Williams uh, and obviously Jalen Guyton kind of having breakout seasons. So, you know, there's going to be some interest for him there. And, you know, the whole league is uh, like Brandon Stanley has demonstrated and all these coaches have demonstrated, you know, who you know and who you don't. Uh, so that's kind of just what I feel about these hires, uh, not a ton that sticks out to me, but just, you know, like we talked about, um, I think with some of the previous, you know, coaching assistant hires, just guys that can kind of uh, fortify the depth. And, you know, if guys like Shane Day or Joe Lombardi leave in the future, then these guys are kind of uh, the next guys up in addition to uh, Tom Marth, who we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, that's really the the takeaway is that Brandon Steady is probably going to have to continuously be adding names to his coaching staff because, um, you know, in an ideal world, the Chargers have a defense, a bounce back performance from the defense in 2022. And teams are really interested in this kind of scheme. So next year, if the offense performs at the highest level that, that it possibly can, and the defense does so as well, you know, there's going to be people knocking on the Chargers door trying to interview everybody. And we've seen that this year. And so far, you know, Frank Smith is the only coach to get hired. But I mean, you know, there's no guarantee that Kevin Coger's on this staff in 2023. There's no guarantee that Joe Lombardi's on this staff. So they're the Chargers, unfortunately, because of who they have at quarterback and, and kind of the trends that they happen to be following, are going to be subject to the frequently rating of their coaching staff. So I think this is kind of you know, some preemptive moves by, by Brandon Staley to hopefully get some guys in, in good positions. But, um, you know, I have a feeling that this kind of, oh, so-and-so is interviewing with elsewhere is going to be a, a pattern over the next few years for Brandon Staley's staff. Which guy do you think is more likely to become an offensive coordinator if Joe Lombardi leaves? Do you think it's Koger or Day? I think it would be Day, you know, you know being the, the quarterback's coach, the relationship with Justin Herbert. I feel like you'd probably want to have a more stable voice with him and someone that he has a strong connection with. Um, although, I mean, it, it it's pretty clear that the rest of the league really values Kevin Koger, or at least, you know, the, the Green Bay assistants do. So I don't know. Like, I feel like from a continuity standpoint, it would make sense to just elevate day. But 
I mean, if Kevin Coger is really that great of a coach, he's just really young and kind of unproven, then I would be kind of more into that idea than dealing with Day, who's been been in the NFL for like 20-some-odd years. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that makes sense. Um, I don't know which one would become it. Probably Shane Day. Uh, or, you know, the Chargers could always kind of look to go out of house, theoretically, as we've seen with some of these hires yeah. that just sort of come out of nowhere. But they make sense. Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of assistants these days that will be practicing, you know, the Shanahan system, the Sean Payton system. So, yeah, I think really the schematics are more important to Brandon Staley than necessarily the connections. But I guess we'll see. Um, all right. Any other final thoughts here, guys, before we jump into our uh, wide receiver rankings? No, I can tell Ty- Tyler's raring to go. He's all systems <laughs> go here. He, he He's ready. Tyler is jumping at the bit. So uh, as I mentioned, we'll be doing our top 10 wide receivers. Also give some love to some potential sleepers, but I uh, have to give a shout out to our friends over at ExpressVPN. The rankings today on today's show are brought to you by ExpressVPN, where you can uh, have international access to Netflix, Hulu, and of course the Game Pass, which is how we watch film because uh, the United States package for Game Pass is terrible. So if you're interested in using any of those options, please go to expressvpn.com guilty to start your free trial of the VPN network today. That being said, Tyler is up first. Tyler, uh, we'll go through uh, 10 through 6 and kind of just highlighting a couple guys here and there, and then Alex will go, and then I will go. Uh, and that being said, Tyler, kick us off, man. Okay, so I'll start with, I'll go through 10 through 6, and I'll go back to a couple of guys that I do want to talk about. So a guy that I really wasn't, the 10th spot, there's a lot of jockeying, but back and forth between a handful of guys. So the 10th spot goes to Calvin Austin, the wide receiver from Memphis. Guy who obviously showed up at the Senior Bowl. We posted clips of him from the Senior Bowl. Um, I'll talk about him in a bit. At number nine, I have Christian Watson, the wide receiver from North Dakota State. At eight, I have John Mechie from Alabama. That's definitely an ACL tear sort of ranking. At seven, I have Jahan Dotson from Penn State. And at six, the, the real wild card of this whole group is George Pickens, the wide receiver from Georgia. Couldn't crack my... My top five, we'll get that in a bit. For me, the most, the one I had the most fun watching and someone that, listen, I, I had Jordan Davis film ready to go do a film breakdown of that guy. I had Andrew Booth film ready to go to break down that guy. I turned on Calvin Austin and I threw those two things aside just to get some Calvin Austin film up. And it is on our Patreon page if you want to check it out. To me, I, I loved watching this guy. And again, he's 10th on my list. But it's not like I think he's the best receiver in this group. I had heard about him all week at the senior bowl. And as, as someone who didn't watch college football this past season, I don't know who most of these guys are. So I heard him, <laughs> about him all week at the senior bowl and I hear about a guy who was supposedly five, nine and they ended up being five, seven, one seventy three. Um, but he was a guy that was, you know, while the fact, even though he was, you know, shorter than me, lighter than me, but he's out there roasting everybody because no one can touch him off the line. So I'm thinking, okay, this is a, you know, a slot guy, gadget guy that they would probably, you know, use in certain ways. I just watched Wandale Robinson. I don't know how tall he is, but I'm sure he's taller. I figured it'd be something like that. Uh, much to my surprise, one of the first plays that I watched, there's two like six one, six two receivers on either side of him in trips. And Calvin Austin at 5'7", clearly smaller than everybody else, is standing there at the point and, they're, and he's, lead, he's blocking on the wide receiver screen that goes for 95-yard touchdown. He's blocking for the six one, six two wide receiver who does take it for that touchdown. I'm thinking, well, that's weird. Like I wouldn't have expected him to, to be blocking as the guy who's clearly shorter <laughs> than everybody else. 
And then there's a play later on where they're out on the outside and he's in front. They're stacked. So there's, he's in front. There's a bigger receiver behind him. And he's the dude blocking the guy in front of him, trying to clear out the guys for the big receiver to clear out for the out. I'm thinking, what am I watching? And I looked at his snap count and this guy took 90% of his snaps or more on the outside from Memphis. It was, it was so confusing. And I, I later I watched someone like Jarrett Stearns, who was very productive. Yeah, He was, you know, um, wide receiver screen, handoff, a route to the flat. And that's pretty much it. You see someone like Calvin Austin, he's working outside. And, you know, look, there are moments where he's going to lose against corners. And he did, I, I would say a good, a third of the time, 40% of the time, sometimes the guy gets his hands on him and he just loses because he can't do get it to get to his route. He can't get there fast enough, whatever it is. But when he wins, he wins so big. And I think that that education that he had on the outside to be forced to learn how to get off of press, to fight man, to fight bigger corners, to get away from these guys, learning how to dip his shoulder at the right time, how to restem, how to reaccelerate and all that sort of stuff. He just got a, such a unique education at Memphis that when you go watch him at the senior bowl, you, he's untouchable because he, he, didn't, he didn't just get a free release from the slot. He didn't get that easy pass. He had to learn how to win against on the outside against some of these guys. And he's making the weird thing is Memphis almost use him like a possession receiver, like an X sometimes. Like yeah. they use him as like a, like a Christian Watson, you know, Mike Williams looking thing. Not really, but I'm watching him catch routine, you know, back shoulder throws. Um, I saw him take some hits over the middle. I saw him catch, um, you know, slants and all that sort of stuff. Curls doing things that I would expect of a bigger bodied X. And yet he's the guy out there selling out for, for some of these catches that I, that some of the bigger guys just didn't make. So, you know, a guy who does that, but can work from the slot, understands leverage really well, works back inside, outside really, really well knows how to, some guys are trying to touch him off the line and he dips right under them and gets past them. He just knows exactly how to use his body. It's a unique physical presence that no one is used to. And you can tell that guys just don't understand how to stop him off the line most of the time. So yeah, I mean, really quickly about yeah. just jumping in here about Austin, man, like, you know, me and you were kind of messaging back and forth on Twitter, mm -hmm. you know, about how I, I hate it when these shout out to Andrea Shearn Tyler's mom, shout out to the Shearn family. Um, I hate it when these college teams put players mm. into a box. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you see that with what Kentucky did with Wandell Robinson. Exactly. You see what Western Kentucky did with Jarrett Stearns, where yeah. it's like, Ugh. here's a swing pass, here's a slant, here's a <laughs> right. crosser. Like they run three routes the entire game. Yeah. Oh, and then here's a jet sweep. It's like mm -hmm. super annoying to watch. And so those players aren't in my top ten. And I think when you're talking about under receivers, you know, typically it would be like slot receivers in the nfl mm -hmm. I, I think for them to crack the top 10 you have to do other things besides just yeah. be a slot gadget receiver and so I, I like calvin austin a lot he checked in at 11 for me just because mm -hmm. I, I like other players better and I'm a, I'm a little concerned about the lack of historical precedence around somebody his size right. Mm -hmm. but i mean you this guy's probably gonna run like a low four three at the combine <laughs> right. like he he he's got like a 10 five uh time for memphis's track team like his speed mm -hmm. is crazy and i love that the way that they used him because it did allow him to kind of grow his toolbox but uh, mm -hmm. you know I, I, he didn't make my top 10 almost exclusively because of his lack of size as the, the regular people size uh, right. worries me <laughs> a little bit yeah no i completely understand that yeah and a guy is going to be he was a nine-time track champion in high school this dude's going to be 
crazy at the combine. And I, I think he's a target for the Chargers if they get there, maybe in the third round. I wouldn't take him in the first two rounds. Um, but if you're starting to creep into the third round, I consider it. Yeah, I think Calvin Austin's a really interesting one. I haven't got a chance to watch a lot of him, but yeah, some of the I mean highlights that he puts on tape. Uh, the fact that he is not regular people size is definitely kind of a detriment. Um, sure. The fact that he you know only plays slot kind of is sort of an interesting thing. But um, yeah, I don't know. I did not have him in my top ten. I haven't watched enough of him to put him in my honorable mentions, but he's definitely a guy mm-hmm. I'll get to later. Okay. All right. So uh, Tyler, I, I want to going... ask you too. Oh, oh. Yeah. Sorry, Alex. I want to ask you too, because, um, you know, the three of us talked about like just kind of the, the weird medical concerns in this class. And I, I think that mm-hmm. also carries over to the free agency group. How much did uh, Mechie's ACL tear impact his ranking for you? Um, That's a good. I, I think his was the SEC championship game. So that was December. Yeah. Um, so where are you at with Mechie overall and just kind of his his knee issue impacting his ranking for you? Yeah, overall, I mean, I ha- so I had him at eighth. Um, he's obviously not your, your contested catch physical guy, but that's completely fine. He just has this. I wrote down that he's just a mental nightmare for defensive backs. He just has so much variation, so much speed and quickness to him to win at different levels of the field. Now, where would I put him if he were healthy? So ahead of him, at least in the, in the next two guys. One's Jahan Dotson, one's George Pickens. I think if Mechie were healthy, I would have him in front of Dotson. And I honestly think I'd have him in front of Pickens because at that point, he would be, I mean, he'd be healthy. Pickens has that obvious concern, and that's a lot of projection there. And then Dotson, as much as I really do like him, my kind of philosophy for my top 10 was guys that can just do hit home runs, you know, do spectacular things. Well, I, I really like Jahan Dotson, don't get me wrong, top seven, but. There's something that Mechie brings that someone like Dotson couldn't. And so I'd probably put him sixth ahead of Pickens and Dotson, but he wouldn't break my top five. Gotcha. Yeah, sounds good. I think I'm on the same page in terms of his health impacting his ranking. So, mm-hmm. um, all right. Love that uh, conversation. Alex, let's get to your uh, 10 through six here. All right. Uh, we just talked about him, but number 10 is Alabama wide receiver uh, John Mechie for me. Uh, okay. Then number nine, I do have the guy we just talked about also, Jahan Dotson. Uh, number eight, I have Ohio State's uh, Chris Olave. We'll get to another Ohio State receiver in this list as well when the time comes. Number seven, I have Western Michigan Sky Moore. Uh, he is uh, there for me. And then I do have Senior Bowl hero uh, Christian Watson at number six. So I think the one that probably sticks out the most out of my list is probably Sky Moore from Western Michigan. Um, I just had a lot of fun watching him and I look at his size and he's not the biggest guy, but he's also, you know, 5'10". Like he's 5'10", 200. Like he's NFL size, even if he's not the biggest. Um, But he can run every route in the book and all of his, you know, dominating routes kind of at Western Michigan also came against press coverage uh, a lot of the time. And so that was something that I was really impressed with, just the ability to beat defenders like pretty consistently, uh, pretty consistently like that. We'll talk about guys that kind of struggled with some press coverage later. He's obviously not going to go as high as I think wide receiver seven because he plays at Western Michigan and that's how the league works. Um, all of the Alabama guys and all of the you know big school guys are going to go before him. 
Um, I the one thing I found interesting just researching him in general is that in high school he was a defensive back and quarterback. Um, and so now in college he is a wide receiver and that's what he projects to in the NFL. So I, I think that I find that athleticism and just positional versatility and what he's been able to do really interesting. Uh, guy that's probably going to run a 4 3 at the combine. Always love those. Shout out to Anthony Schwartz. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, I mean, he's just also a yak. You know, I, I don't even know if I call it yak, but just kind of an explosiveness after catch guy as well in terms of what he can do on the field. So I really liked him. And then the other guy that I'll kind of talk about in this list is Christian Watson. Uh, the most interesting thing that Steven has pointed out is that the evaluation of him is kind of tough because there's not a whole lot of all 22 films. So I, I can't really watch a lot, but what I saw at the senior bowl was really promising. Not a lot of six, four guys that have like the flexibility he has. It's really just crazy mm -hmm. how he's able to move like that. Especially like when we talk about someone who's six, four, six, five, like Mike Williams and you know how he's pretty stiff sometimes. Uh, you know, just the way that he's able to move is, is kind of crazy. Great senior bowl. I want to see more tape and, and kind of more consistency from him. Uh, you know, when once we get to, I assume, NDSU's pro day and, you know, once we get some of that college tape in general. Um, but I, I really liked him as well. And he was a guy that I knew nothing about coming into this process. Yeah, I mean, I thought that I was going to be the highest of the three of us <laughs> on Christian Watson. I have him at seven. Um, yeah, but. You know, you have him at six. And I think his his background is just really interesting in general. He was a three-time all-conference kick returner at mm. six four, two hundred and ten pounds. Like you just you don't hear that kind of thing, you know, happening in, in general. I don't think that he's gonna be a kick returner in the NFL. I think he's more I think he's probably just going to be a receiver focused kind of player, but you know, to have that kind of background really kind of speaks volumes to him. And you know, I think of the taller receivers in this class you know i think you have you know there's alec pierce who i i think is it has an argument for like later in the top 15 out of cincinnati there's watson there's george pickens and then there's drake london who we'll get into you know in a second here but i think of like the four like six three and up receivers in this class i think watson is honestly the best route runner like i think he really shows just a, a next level ability to stay even keeled stay on balance stay controlled like you rarely see him be out of control and slip and lose his balance or slip and fall or, or have any kind of thing like that. So the way that Watson moves in general is just really stands out to me because he is six, four, like legit six, four, like, you know, you look at Jalen Tolbert who, you know, I'll talk in a second, but Jalen Tolbert was listed at six, three, and then checked in at the senior wall at six, one Watson was listed at six, four and was actually at six, four at the senior bowl. So I'm a big fan of Watson and I have him at seven. Yeah. Christian Watson is to me that, so I have to do an, I, for me personally, when I do my rankings and, and all my notes, I do elevator pitch and then floor and, and ceiling scenarios. And basically for my, for my elevator pitch, I said, what if Tyrell Williams was a better running back? Yeah. And that to me is like the best way I can sort of pitch Christian Watson, because I figured, you know, you're going through and you're watching and you're, you're finding notes and things about this guy and you see him, you know, working on the sideline, all the deep ball stuff. Okay, that's kind of what I expected at this point. And then you see him take a handoff for like 80 yards. Or you see him to kick, kick off return <laughs> right. for like 80 yards. It's like, well, what the heck? Um, the, the reason that he's only ninth for me and not any higher is that for whatever reason, I, I can't say that I've watched all of these, but his career contested rate, catch rate is actually yeah. pretty terrible. It's 30%. 
that's lower than Calvin Austin at 36%. And Calvin Austin is five, seven, um, you know, a guy who only caught 12 of 40 of his contested catches. So it's a little concerning there. And when I was watching him and this isn't necessarily his fault, but I noticed that he has little involvement in the red zone. I watched his touchdowns from, I think this year. And, and then last year, and I think only two of them were in the red zone. Now, if he can score from 80 yards out, who cares? But I thought it was interesting that this guy is not great at contested catches. He wasn't involved scoring in the red zone. And then I believe at the senior bowl with the one-on-one -on -one fade reps that he had, I don't know if he won any of those. So that's something I need to keep in mind. I'll try to watch more from him, but that's, that's a question mark for sure. And I need that to be answered before I, before I put him any higher. Yeah, I feel that. Um, Tyler, any other questions about Alex's ranking? Um, It'll more so come up later because I definitely have a question about why one Ohio State receiver is so much further than the other, but that's that's for a different. Uh, <laughs> All right, sounds good. Uh, so I'll go through my 10 through six here. At number 10, I have Kyle Phillips out of UCLA. Okay. At number nine, I have Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama. At eight, I have Jahan Dotson. Mm -hmm. Seven, I have Christian Watson. And then six, I have Chris Olave. So uh, similar to Tyler and Alex liking Sky Moore and Calvin Austin, that was me with Kyle Phillips. And I think he just offers a little bit more than the other slot receivers in this class because he is like he does have legitimate size. He can be measured at 5'11 at mm -hmm. the Shrine Bowl. And I think he does all of the gadget stuff that the other guys can do. Um, I definitely don't think he's going to be a low 4'3 guy like Calvin Austin, but I really like <laughs> Phillips' frame in general. And to me, I think he is the best separator and route runner of this class. And, you know, I mentioned hating watching teams put players into a box. UCLA did not do that with Kyle Phillips, man. He's on the outside running X routes. He's running backside Z routes. He's in the slot. In 2020, they lined him up in the backfield and he was doing running back things for them. So mm -hmm. I really enjoyed watching the way that UCLA got him the ball because it, it really helped him develop that toolbox. And like I said, I think, he is the best route runner in this class to me because he can run all of the routes at the same level. I mean, obviously you're not going to put him on the X role in the NFL and have him run a fade route or have him run a go route. But I mean, he did that at UCLA. And so I was a big fan of his. I think that he is, I've seen the Hunter Renfro comparisons and I can kind of understand that's, that. That's easy. <laughs> um, that's an easy one. I feel like that's cherry picking. But, you know, I think Kyle Phillips uh, is actually like Clinton Sims points out. It's more Amon Ross St. Brown in the chat. So shout out to Clinton. Um, you know, I, I think Phillips has legitimate chops to be like a wide receiver, two for a team at like his best at his peak. Mm -hmm. um, but I really loved watching the way that he ran routes, the, the way that he is able to be physical, really surprised me. Like similar to Calvin Austin, he was really a physical blocker. Mm -hmm. And did a lot of things to, you know, spring Dulcich for a screen for a tight end screen or, or, you know, spring DTR for a speed option or things like that. So I, I loved Kyle Phillips. I loved watching him. He was so much fun. Um, I, you know, I obviously kept an eye on him a little bit watching him in the Pac-12, but he was somebody for me that I knew I had to get in here. And so, um, you know, I mentioned the physical frames concerns with him versus Calvin Austin. And that was really kind of the difference for me is that I think yeah, I that. that you know, there's more historical precedence for a guy like Phillips holding up in the NFL versus Austin. Yeah. But I, I like Austin as well. They're, they're graded very similarly, but I think that Phillips physicality really stood out to me in a way over the other guys. 
Yeah, no, that completely makes sense. And I, I do agree that of the two, he's the better route runner. And, you know, to me, I just went more speed and home run versus technical work. Again. But, but you know, he's he was just outside of my top 10, too. So I totally get it. And everything you heard about him was true at, at, the, at the Shrine Bowl. And I think yeah. it was Brett Coleman who described him as he practices the details so consistently and perfectly that at each detail, he adds like an inch of separation. So by the time you get to the field and to the route, he's like a full yard away. So, and I think that really does make sense when you watch him. I will say Matt Waldman, who does like the rookie scouting portfolio and looks at receivers. One of the things that he said that Phillips actually does too much sometimes. And I'm mm. curious, I'm going to look back and try to see what he means by that. Um, I don't think it was really ever a detriment, but he knows a lot more about receivers than I do. Um, there are several instances where this dude is just open for touchdowns and the quarterback either just can't get to him, <laughs> doesn't look for him. It DTR is a, little was a tough watch, man. DTR is a tough watch. Yeah, no, definitely. So uh, the, the one that I do want to ask about is Jalen Tolbert. I believe he's at s- nine for you, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, nine. Yeah, man, I got I just <laughs> I had a whole different experience than you did. And it, sometimes it yeah. comes down to the games you watch. Right. But right. Like against Louisiana Lafayette, a t- like, listen, that's Louisiana Lafayette. You got to do a little bit more than what he did in the two games, one in 2021 and 2021 that I watch and, it, and against Georgia Southern. There's definitely good stuff in there. Don't get me wrong. I just think his inability in those games to me to make plays on the contested catches and the drops that he had and the fumble that I saw, it's like, oh man, like it takes away from so many of the good stuff I saw vertically. There aren't a lot of guys who I saw do like a stutter and go, or for example, to burn a corner or beat the safety or whatever. There's a lot of stuff that he does vertically that I really like. It's just to me, like some of the details added up where I went, oh, I just couldn't get my grade to go very high based on what I saw. So what did you see? And also what games did you watch? (laughs) Um, So I did watch the Louisiana game. I I did not see the fumble or the drops. I think I saw a couple routes that were contested cat situations that he didn't come down with. I wouldn't necessarily classify them as drops that what I, from what I saw, but I I think he and Chris Olave are very, very similar in, in the fact that they're kind of those, deep field route runner kind of specialist. I don't think he's going to be running as fast as Chris, Chris Olave, um, which is why he's kind of lower, but you know, I really thought that he runs routes really well. I thought that he has uh, good nuance in the way that he does set up double moves and sluggos and things like that. Um, you know, I do think he does have a backside Z kind of big play threat. Um, you know, I did see for me that a lot more of what I liked was at the senior bowl from the, from Jalen Tolbert than versus the film. Like I did like his film a lot, but you know, you saw him go down to the senior bowl and really win it on contested catch situations, be a little bit more of a route runner. So that's kind of a little bit of both. Um, I just really like his size and his length more than anything. And I think he does, he's probably like a four, four kind of guy. Um, so maybe this is me projecting a little bit. I was not aware of the, the drops that you had pointed out until I looked on PFF and had already, you know, had him on my ranking. And before we hopped on, I thought like, okay, do I think that's going to be a problem for him? Do I want to change him, put in John Mechie, who I don't have, do I want to mix up my list? And I just didn't really feel comfortable doing that. So I'm a little worried about the drops more so Mm -hmm. than I was yesterday. Um, by Jalen Tilbert, but I still think there's a lot of things to like there in terms of his frame, in terms of his length, in terms of his speed, and the big playability that he can bring to the table. So, you know, there's a lot of like six one to six three big <laughs> yes, play receivers are. in this class. 
Um, and Tort's not the best one, but I think that ability does lend itself towards being a top 10 receiver, in my opinion. But I like I have him yeah. behind Dotson. I have him behind mm-hmm. Olave. I have him behind Watson. So, you know, he's not as good as those guys, in my opinion. But I think there is still a lot to like there. Yeah, and it, it's really all about what the guy can do and can you maximize what he can do at the next. I mean, yes, obviously you want to pay attention to the mistakes, but, you know, each of our guys, even at number one, it's all about what they can do and what they do so well yeah. trying to project. So I totally get it. And that's I'm great. I, I love the variation in our list, like someone said in the chat. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just curious because I haven't watched a lot of Jalen Tolbert. And I guess this is a question for Tyler because he noticed the drops more. Do you think that's more of a technique issue or just kind of maybe how he came off in that game i mean there weren't like it wasn't like the same drop every time so i couldn't say like oh on slants he routinely drops or whatever it was there was a back shoulder throw that he had his hands on dropped it and there was a slant that went through his hands so i mean i guess it's a technique thing i didn't see like i didn't watch enough games to say okay this guy is routinely missing this particular thing but typically it was a, the ball goes through my hands, couldn't get it, forearm strength, whatever you want to call it. It was just kind of that for me. And then some of the contested catch stuff, like to me, it's it's 50-50. Like contested catches are contested. There is a guy hanging on to you, fighting for the football, all that. To me, I just, if you want to be like, you know, move up a little bit, in my opinion, like say a Drake London, for example, you got to come down with more of those. And he just didn't. And so I don't know if it's really a technique thing. Maybe it's just an unlucky thing. And that's just the games that I saw. Um it wasn't one particular thing. It was just a combination of many things. Yeah. And I'll just add in really quickly on Kyle Phillips. He's not on my list, but uh, that film against him of uh, Derek Stingley, uh, disrespectful to watch during black history month. (laughs) All right. Um, Yeah. I mean, Kyle Phillips is really freaking good. Um, The player that none of us really talked about is Jahan Dotson. All three of us have him Mm -hmm. in the top 10. Um, So wanted to mention him here. You know, I, I think like the this middle of this class is is very, very similar. I think there's a lot of good players in this class. Um, and, and I generally do not throw like player comparisons out there very often unless, you know, I'm like feel really good about it. Like, uh, you know, obviously familiar with Tyra Williams. And so the Christian Watson thing to me makes a lot of sense um, to me. When I watch Jahan Dotson, I get like really strong Robert Woods vibes, not necessarily okay. somebody that is. Yeah really going to test and jump out of the gym or run like a four, four, but I see a lot of like nuance and separation in his, in his routes. He, he definitely struggles a little bit against press man, but I think you put him in the slot, you put him as a backside Z and I think he's just somebody that's going to get open and make plays for you on in breaking routes and fade routes and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, so I wanted to give Dotson a shout out since he's in the top 10 for all three of us. And we didn't get really to talk about it much, but you know, that was one that really stood out to me where I was like, okay, this really is giving me Robert Woods vibes. I like it to me. He fell victim to one of the worst offenses I saw yeah. all year. Like, <laughs> I didn't turn it off. Like Josh, like last year I turned on, you know, Josh Palmer tape and I just turned it off because I couldn't watch it. Like, <laughs> watching them play Michigan where the quarterback got sacked 20 times, 10 of them yeah. on his own. Like it was so bad. And he'd be routinely open and he just wouldn't be targeted. He's like you said, he's a great route runner does some of that dirty work. He has the best hands of this class in my opinion, just catching everything. I am very interested to see how he tests. I don't know how much I'd move him based on how he tests, but he could be someone that jumps in front of Pickens if he tests pretty well. Do I think he'll test amazingly? Not really, but if he tests pretty well, I might be able to put him ahead of Pickens. So 
yeah, no, I, I like him a lot. And it wouldn't surprise me if he goes to some offense and just explodes, not for, you know, 50 yard gains or anything, but just a very productive guy right out of the gate because he's going to have a quarterback who can actually get him the football. Yeah, you know, I think the unfortunate thing there is that he had elected to not go to the Senior Bowl and participate. I think if he had, then he probably would have been the best guy there or at least like compete with Christian Watson. And there just were not <laughs> the receiver group at, at the Senior Bowl was very disappointing outside of Watson and Calvin Austin and, and Jalen Tolbert. But, um, you know, Dotson was somebody that I was really looking forward to watch there because of, you know, that kind of ability that he has. But um, I am curious to see how he tests as well um alex any thoughts there no i was just gonna say i mean uh in terms of Jahan dotson i felt a little concerned watching him about size kind of at the next level like i i feel like he can kind of get away with that stuff sort of in college but i don't know if he'll be able to win as you know consistently in contested catch situations being like five mm. ten. i think he's 180 or so but, you know, I think he can kind of get more of that and also kind of expand his game. He is a good route runner, like, anyway, on his own, right? Um, the guy that he kind of reminds me of is actually uh, Deontay Johnson a little bit, which is funny because Steven said Garrett Wilson is Deontay Johnson, <laughs> I think, when we had this conversation. But, uh, you know, I, I think he's he sort of reminds me of that where there's this kind of sort of, like, takes tight angles on his routes. There's a lot of big play potential, but... I do think there are some um, size question marks with him, but also yeah, Penn State's offense is awful to watch. Garbage quarterback play, just just terrible to watch. I I fell asleep like eight times during the <laughs> Illinois nine overtime game. <laughs> yeah, Penn State's was rough. I, I think Kentucky for me by far was the worst offense that I watched, which really sucks because they have two good offensive line prospects, and so I just kept on waiting for them to do like actual offensive things and then i hear that their offensive coordinator is getting interviewed to be sean mcveigh's new offensive coordinator i'm like what like what are you watching here like i, I was really confused by that but oh. um yeah we can talk about Wando robinson later if we want to but he's not on any of our lists so i uh, yeah. don't really want to mention him. um all right tyler let's do uh we'll do five through three for okay. each of us and then we'll get into uh two and one so tyler kick us off back there all right so number five i do have chris olave the receiver from ohio state at four, I have Jamison Williams from Alabama. That's another ACL thing. Uh, Drake London from USC at number three. To me, like the one with Drake London, and there are so many things you can project to him to be good at, at the next level, but it's a lot of projection for me right now, and that's why I can't quite put him in like the top two or even one. Um, you know, you, you don't know a lot about him because of his health, the scheme, the role, etc. You know, in 2021, he had eight games with a fractured ankle. I don't really knock him for the fractured ankle. That's obviously going to be fine, I would assume. But I just wanted to learn more about him because in the, he was in, in 2020, he was primarily a, a slot, you know, power slot sort of guy. Um, in 2021, his, his snaps out wide from the right were only 4% of all his snaps the entire year. He only had three catches on the entire right third of the year, all year. And actually, on Pro Football Focus, by the way, it says he only had one pass the line of scrimmage to the right. He definitely had three. So I don't know where their numbers came from. Maybe there's something wrong there. I don't know. But I just watched this game. I'll talk about that one in a second. Um, you know, a, a guy that I would have loved to see work more over the middle. He only had five catches over 10 more, or, you know, over 10 yards in the middle in 2021. And on the short middle, he had six drops. It's a little bit, a little bit worried there. Like just a couple things piecing together that I would like to see him be. It almost feels like there's an entire, you know, third of the field that he's freaking awesome on. But I would have loved to see him a little bit more over the middle, you know, intermediate and deep. 
and then really anything to the right. But again, that's not his fault. They're asking him to do that. It's just very tough to project. Um, you know, a guy that what a freight train after the catch. Like this is the most bulldozer player I can remember seeing at that size, what he, how he works with even just a wide receiver screen. Like, you know, he's going to get the screen 40% of the time. That That's basically what they ask him to do. And yet he just keeps bullying guys. It's one of the most incredible feats of athleticism I've seen from a receiver in this class. They just could not stop him. Obviously the contested catch stuff is amazing. What really saved the evaluation for me here, because I would have had him lower, is the Colorado game. I have no idea why. The entire year, he plays like one snap on the right side every game. For some reason against Colorado, he took like 14 snaps to the right. And he looked just as comfortable there with his slants, the three catches that I said. I think it was a slant or two slants and one go to the right side. If he didn't have that, there'd be almost no tape of him winning to the right. But he won to the right, and he looked very good doing it. Like it's one game, and it's like 12 snaps or whatever. But it did help me with the evaluation here, and it did kind of save him in the end. I really like him. I just couldn't quite get him to crack my top three because of those reasons. I, I wonder if that's a quarterback thing or a scheme thing because... It's so weird. I've, I've asked so many people. I asked USC reporters. I asked Ryan Dyrut. I asked Tyler Gallagher, who went to USC. And everyone's like, you know, the offense is bad personal preference they're like <laughs> it was so hard to get an actual answer for why they didn't move him I, not that he was now he i think he took snaps snaps to the right slot more but everything out wide to the right like they're just like eh, let's keep him on the left side and that's just so hard to project there yeah um well i mean me and steven will get to drake london a little bit later uh because he's both in our top twos I, I don't know if that's a spoiler but uh anyway uh, I will start from my five to three at number five. I have Georgia wide receiver, George Pickens. Uh, that's another ACL concern. Like we've been saying this whole podcast uh, Four, I have Arkansas wide receiver, Traylon Burks clocks in for me there. And number three, I have Alabama wide receiver, Jamison Williams. Uh, I guess I'll take the time to talk about Jamison Williams because I originally came in lower on him when i yes, watched him i did i messaged <laughs> yeah. the chat i was like what is there to be impressed about um and i i kind of watched the cincinnati game um at first and mm-hmm. in that game he struggled a lot with like press coverage and it just felt like sauce gardner and that defense just kind of had him in hell um but then you turn on the sec championship game and you're yeah. like okay <laughs> okay i get it uh don't bully me on on the internet uh, i i sort of understand where it comes from and i think there's also the idea that he is very young i think he's 20 years old uh, he's going to be 21 by the draft time so with this kind of you know with that information in addition to the fact that you know he has the acl tear and is probably going to play like let's say half the season um you're kind of drafting him for what he's going to be in two or three years, as opposed to what he is now. Um, and I think that changed my opinion just because of the raw attributes as well. Right. Like his top gear is just insane compared to pretty much everyone in this class, like how fast he can go. Uh, obviously, you know, I assume that yeah, well, he's not going to do the combine, but I assume if he did do the combine, he would probably have, you know, crazy four, three speed, um, but but his in-game speed is just insane. I, I don't remember many receivers like him at his size kind of able to do that. Um, so, yeah, no, that's kind of what I thought about him. So 
probably like you know while i was watching him against cincinnati i would have been like oh you know maybe he's number five or six but i think those raw attributes for me you know just pushed him up and and the potential what he can be in the nfl is very scary even if he isn't you know a polished product now yeah so alex and i have the exact same five through three like literally five i have five pickens four burks three jameson williams too so that that's really funny that you know, we've been different. Our top two are different, but five through three are the, are the exact same. So I want to kind of focus this conversation a little bit in more on Jameson Williams because I think he's probably going to be there at 17. I think that could be a consideration for this team, depending on on what kind of has to happen. So, Tyler, I guess I'll, I'll you have him at three too, right? Um, I have him at four because of the ACL. Okay. So... I guess my question specifically for Jamison Williams, because he is somebody like he is the receiver that I see most commonly mocked to the chargers so far Mm -hmm. Um, in your mind, Tyler, and then Alex jump in after that, what has to happen in free agency or later on in the draft for you to feel comfortable or advocate for the chargers to take Jamison Williams at 17, as opposed to a defensive tackle and edge rusher or a corner or whatever. Um, I'll be completely honest. There are very few scenarios where I, I would prefer them to take Williams at 17 over edge or corner or or some other positions. I think, especially looking at the edge group now, I just think there's some guys that might be there at 17 that are really good. Um, whoever that ends up being, whereas Williams, as I look through this group of wide receivers and I have 19 graded now, none of them are Jamison Williams with what he can do specifically. Well, he does that better than anybody else. I think it's any, you know, you know, no one's going to fight about about that. But I, I mean, you would have you would have to tell me that you have edge signed, a starter edge signed, an edge three signed, your right tackle, probably another corner slot corner. You'd have to bring everybody back, your right guard. Like at that point, I, I don't know. Like I actually think it would be basically impossible for me to watch, even though I think he's amazing. I think at this point that a the edge group are there. I think is going to be really good, and we'll talk about that in a later episode. And b I think you can find some guys later on in the draft. I'm not saying they're anywhere close to him, but you can find some things to make it work. And at this point, if you bring back Mike Williams and you have, you know, Williams, Allen, and then a first round pick on Williams, that's a lot invested in the offense, which I think is great to maximize. I just think that's a little too much where the clear and obvious issue right now is still the defense. Yeah, I I think what would have to happen is, I mean, you probably have to assume that Mike Williams has walked, right? Like that's kind of the, you know, scenario that jump starts the idea of the Chargers taking any wide receiver in the first round, whether that's Drake London or Jameson Williams, whoever it is. Um, but it's a tough sell for the Chargers in particular, because this is kind of supposed to be the all in year where they're supposed to load up on talent and you're supposed to draft a guy who's probably going to play like eight games right so like that is a difficult thing for the chargers and even in the event that they lose mike williams it's like well then you're running out of receiver core of like keenan allen josh palmer maybe a guy you get in free agency to be like wide receiver three uh and you know guyton like but you you know jameson williams isn't going to be there until you know quite a bit into the season so I think that's the tough sell for a team that's kind of supposed to be all in win now mode. Let's get Justin Herbert weapons, right? So that that to me is the tough sell with Jamison Williams, particularly on the Chargers. I think if you're talking about some of the other teams there, maybe it doesn't matter just because they have all these luxury weapons. And it's like, oh, well, let's go get another. 
Um, but for the Chargers, I think it's a tough sell. Like Tyler says, the, they they need to fill up some of the holes if they want to be a real contender. And, you know, if they were a team that maybe had the playoff run that like the Bengals did or something like that, maybe this is kind of that kind of scenario where it's like they could do that. But uh, I just I think there's too too many question marks and too many differences with where the Chargers are going for Jameson Williams to be the pick. Yeah, I, I think if Mike Williams is gone, then I, I think wide receiver at 17 is is absolutely a must, in my opinion. Um, but I think given what we think is going to happen, then I'd be surprised there. So I want to talk about George Pickens for a second because he's mm-hmm. both of our number fives. Tyler was number six, six. right? Mm-hmm. So this is definitely a projection-based thing. Like he only played in the SEC championship game and their playoff games, I believe, um, because of his knee injury. Um, our friend Jason Vallier has him as wide receiver one, which I think is kind of crazy to me, but <laughs> I respect the difference in opinion for sure. Um, but I, I think you look at what he was doing in 2020 and like, that's what you have to go back mm-hmm. and watch. And, and of course it's a lot of projection, but I think had he not gotten hurt, we're probably talking about him as a surefire wide receiver one wide receiver two kind of player just based off of the tra- trajectory. I mean, he came in as a freshman at Georgia and was their entire offense in terms of the passing game with Jake Fromm. And then in 2020, just kind of took that next step. So there is a lot of projection here. You know, in my notes, uh, I, I wrote that he's a classic size, weight, speed kind of guy. His length and catch mm-hmm. radius is crazy good. Like this man can catch anything in the realm of possibilities. Like I think that's him. But I think his lack of physicality after the catch is a little bit concerning as, you know, comparing him to Burks or to Drake London. I think that's really is kind of the difference. And again, like he didn't have that year of developing in college that the other guys did because he was rehabbing from an injury as opposed to developing. So I definitely think that George Pickens is a developing player. But I think if, you know, you're looking at pick number 47 and George Pickens is there versus like a Jahan Dotson kind of player, yeah. Dotson might be more of a sure thing, mm-hmm. but I think Pickens has legitimate wide receiver one upside. It's just that it's a little bit more uncertain. So um, definitely wanted to mention Pickens there for a second. Yeah, I, I think if you're if we just removed health from all of this and you're just like, tell me who the best receivers are. I don't hate the wide receiver one take. He wouldn't be mine personally, but he might be wide receiver like three for me in that instance. Um, Like, I mean, what he's able to do just as, as a route runner, like his, his effort as a blocker to, uh, you know, just the physicality he shows on the field is crazy. Um, and, you know, there's no games really from this year to watch. Uh, but uh, the the game, the bowl game against Cincinnati, uh, I talk about that all the time. It's like seven receptions, 135 yards, just laying out his body all over the field. It, you know, it was a destruction of that secondary really. And he won them the game, like almost himself when the rest of the team was kind of sputtering on offense. So um, yeah, I mean, he's just a a great talent and I think he's also very young too. I think he's the same age as Jamison Williams, basically. I think they'll both be 21 by the draft. So that's also kind of one of those potential future bets with a knee problem um, that, that you're betting on. But uh, I mean, he, he has kind of all the attributes that you would want really outside of that knee issue. Yeah. He's of the taller guys, the taller receivers. I think a lot of people will say, Oh, you know, 
you know, oh, he can run a sneaky route tree. He can do this or that. Like to me, George Pickens can actually kind of run a, a much better route tree. I think he's the better of the bigger guys as a route runner. Um, how he tests is he wait he's not going to make the combine is he or is he going to the combine he's going to the combine so he played okay. in the sec championship right. in the playoff games he was obviously not like super involved in the offense but mm-hmm. you could tell they're kind of being patient with him too but he's as far as i know he is fully healthy and going to test at the combine then again combine's kind of a shit show right now so who yeah, knows exactly what players are going to test there or not right um i know if i personally were a top prospect i would not be testing in that kind of environment but um, as far as I know, Pickens is fully healthy. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. Like you said, he's not a, much of a yak guy, a little bit surprising there, but then again, you never know in that 2021 season, what he could have developed into yeah. um, tons of downfield work. I just was so impressed with the way he was able to work with contested catches to protect the football downfield or on comebacks, just his, in his frame and his length, that'll pluck the football out of nowhere. You know, I don't know where I would have ranked him. I think if he did play a full 2021 and there was no injury. Yeah. I think he'd be top three easily. Yeah. All right. So Tyler, uh, wrap us up with your uh, number two and number one. So number two for me is um, Wanda. No, I'm kidding. It's uh, Garrett <laughs> Wilson, the wide receiver from Ohio State. Um, you know, I'll let I'll, somebody else talk about him, of course. Uh, so to me, the one that I thought I was on a, a mountain alone, it turns out the people of, of Twitter uh, seem to support this more than I would have expected. Yeah. My number one is Traylon Burks. And I think um, bear with me uh, on this pitch for number one. I, I don't know if this is going to take a while, but I wrote a lot because he's my number one. I think there's a lot of reasons for it. And I think you start with the stats. I do composite rankings. And to me, of the big five, the perceived big five, I guess big six, if you count Pickens, he was number one. Um, and, and specifically in that group, number one in yards per route run, yards after the catch per reception, second in yards per reception, just behind Jameson Williams. He's a guy that averages 9.3 yards after the catch in 2021. Jalen Waddle last year was 10.1. Jamar Chase was 8.1. So fitting in between those two guys, I think is not that bad. Um, a guy that just is explosive. And I think the reason, maybe the only reason that I have him over the other two guys behind him is that he's a guy who can score from wherever. And I don't think the other two guys can really do that. He's a guy who has, you know, four long receptions of 40 yards or more, five plays if you count his rushing touchdown. Um, you know, his deep contested catches. I know he's not really what he's known for. And there are moments where I think he could be better. But, you know, between Burks and London, I think the two guys that are really jockeying for that, I'm a deep contested big ball sort of guy. London had six deep. Burks had five deep. And then Burks was five for eight. London was six for nine. He's had one more opportunity. Um, and then with just everything in general, I think he does. And I mean, statistically, he does have the best hands. Statistically, I think I'd still get that to London. Definitely overall. got the biggest hands. He definitely has the biggest hands. And let's thank you for that segue. So personal profile to me, I think is where I started to really put it together for me. And the more I invested into researching him, the more I think I started to really put him at number one. And, and Craig, the guy, you know, top flight, the guy who is in our chat frequently, is it on Twitter? He said he reminded me of him, of Andre Johnson. And I think, okay, let me look at Andre Johnson highlights. And to me, there was so much there in, I know it's just highlights of both guys that I could really see it. And this guy, his whole personal profile is just really outstanding. A guy who's been all SEC second team for punt return and kick returns. He's on the honor roll for the SEC for two different years. Guy who played linebacker in high school and lettered in basketball and baseball. And yeah, the physical profile. I know it's like, whatever, you know, a lot of guys are big, a lot of guys are fast. But this dude, and this one part in particular that I thought was really interesting, and we'll see how it works out, 
ten and a quarter inch hands with special made five XL gloves. I'm going to go on a limb and say, I do not fit five XL gloves. I actually have no idea what that would look like. Um, but Eric Crocker on his podcast or the, the locked on draft podcast, Sorry, shit, yeah. I forget what it was. Um, he says he expects Burks to run and he's hearing that he's going to run in the four threes or low four fours, which to me is kind of insane. I don't know if he'll run in the four threes, but if he does, but he's a guy that again, thank you, Craig, for this information. He's been clocked at 22.6 miles an hour on the 91 yard touchdown. So all that's good and great. You see the stats. Great. You see the, you see the, the profile and the physicality, yada, yada. To me, it comes down to the, the main thing. And, and what I talked about earlier about projecting these guys, what can they do at the next level? Are they going to be able to, to take what they're good at and do at the next level? And obviously, you know, it depends on where you go, the quarterback, the coach and the other receiving room. But to me, it's like, okay, what can he do well? And you think about him as a guy who only plays in the slot or the guy who only, you know, barely plays outside. He's just a swing route guy. But to me, as I went through the tape or as I watched other people break down the tape and saw these different things, um, again, Matt Waldman and I think, uh, what's his name? Crap, I forget his name. Uh, they broke down some Burke's tape as well. You see that he can win from a different variety of ways that I just don't think anybody else of the, my top three, which is Wilson, uh, London, and Burks. I don't think the other guys can do that. To me, I mean, I, I, and I just charted different ways he won. Texas A&M, slot fade, Georgia, slant with the big yards after the catch. But later in that later in that game, he fakes it inside the slant that he just won on earlier, wins on a corner route, runs another 20 yards for a touchdown. Mississippi State, he's got a slant touchdown. Wildcat for 25 yards. Jet sweep for 18 against Ole Miss. He's facing press as the point man in bunch. He wins on a corner route in the end zone against Tennessee. Burks, by the way, at Burks, London, and Wilson are all really good scramble drill guys. I actually don't think Jamison Williams is good at this, but against Tennessee, you know, he's he's scramble drill and he connects with the, or the quarterback, connects with him for a 60 yard touchdown, forces one missed tackle this way, breaks another. You know, Auburn, it's a jump ball touchdown on a post for a touchdown. Alabama, it's a 65 yard touchdown. Of a back shoulder throw outside, a touchdown from the flat where he beats everyone to the pylon. Missouri, he's selling the slant inside, restems back outside for a 52-yard touchdown. He's got a 49-yard rushing touchdown off a jet sweep, 91-yard touchdown on a spring route versus Georgia Southern. So it's just like I started to put this together, and while I like, sadly, after saying all this, he doesn't even have a seven out of eight for me on our grading scale, um, which is just in, in you know, it's just the class in general. But he's a physical freak, statistically in my composite rankings or just whatever the main stats you pick he's proficient in all of them and i think he's demonstrated that he can win in so many different ways that i don't think anybody else really can in this group now does he do one thing like so much better than everybody else maybe yards after the catch you know there are things like he's not the best route runner not the best contested catch guy not the best run blocker not the best runner whatever but i think and this is a really stupid example when i was in gymnastics I won competitions, not because I was the first place guy at everything. I was only really good at one thing, and that was the floor. But I was good enough at everything else where, I, you know, some guys, you know, they're good at one thing and they're just bad at everything else. I think Burks is good enough at everything and fantastic at it as being a yards after the catch guy that I think he can do enough. And that's why he's my wide receiver one. I just think no one on this group outside of Jamison Williams, who has the torn ACL, can score from the one yard line. And I don't think the other guys can really do that. Burks can in today's NFL. I think that's really important. And I would love to see him, Justin Herbert, but it won't happen. <laughs> yeah, I think his his mock drafts uh, selections are kind of all over the place right now. 
A lot of people have him going to the Browns so far, I think at uh, 13. Um, But he's, if you don't, uh, if you're not familiar with Bruce Feldman's Feldman's freak article that he does every single year, uh, I would strongly recommend you check it out because it's a great draft resource in terms of athletic profiles. And so, you know, Traylon Burks doing what he does, (laughs) 225 pounds, 6'3", potentially 6'4". There's murmurs that he's kind of grown an inch. It's oh, just kind of crazy <laughs> to me. Yeah. And, and so 5XL hands, like I wore 2XL gloves and I'm this, I'm the same height as Traylon Burks, but you know, that man is, you know, probably 70 pounds lighter than me at this point. So, um, I mean, it's just an unreal athletic profile reportedly squats, 500 pounds, deadlifts, 400 pounds, like Jeez. just an athletic gym freak, very similar to DK Metcalf in that regard. I think stylistically he's more AJ Brown. I think in an ideal world for Traylon Burks, you're using him as a backside Z where he's doing a lot of in-breaking routes, doing a lot of slants, doing a lot of these other things. You're not going to put him as an X and have him do fades and go routes. He can certainly do that, but that's DK's thing, right? Like DK definitely was a one-trick pony, and that's why he fell in the draft, in my opinion. And so I totally understand the Traylon Burks love. I just think that... From a route running perspective, I like other players better. I think mm-hmm. Drake London, who I'll get to in a second, is better after the catch. And so I totally agree. He's definitely not a one-trick pony. He is very well-rounded. He probably is the most versatile receiver of this group. I just mm-hmm. like other things about other players a little bit better. But I totally get it. Yeah. Um, I mean, just watching him, like it just screams like AJ Brown light. Although I would say like AJ Brown heavy, like yeah, AJ Brown <laughs> heavy see, is how I would see, say that. <laughs> seeing how you know that dude's built, um, my main concern with him is just kind of like consistency from game to game. Because you you know, I mean, this is kind of one of those like look at the box score things. But you would see a game where he just incinerates a team for like two hundred twelve yards, and then has like thirty yards the next game. Um, so there, there's some concern there. Um, also, just like game tape to game tape but i mean the potential of him is just off the charts uh in in terms of what he could potentially do at the next level but uh, i think i think what separated the top three guys or so for me is more you know their consistency and route running from from down to down and, and what they're able to do but uh with that being said i will go through my number two and my number one uh i will go with drake london at number two uh, and then my number one is Garrett Wilson. So I will talk about Garrett Wilson because I assume Steven's going to talk about Drake London a little bit. Um, but he's my wide receiver one. Uh, I, I just think he's far and away like the best route runner in this class. Um, I, I don't think it's particularly close. And we've always been talking about the Chargers like getting guys that can like separate. Um, they, you know, other than Keenan Allen, they, they don't have a lot of those. Uh, that could do that consistently. So, I mean, it, you know, he's not going to be there. But if Garrett Wilson was there, like, I, I think you, he's just like a freak in that sense of what he can do from play to play. Um, I think he gets comp to like CD Lamb a lot. And I don't know if I completely buy that as like, you know, I mean, the route running, similar body types, yeah. But when I was watching him, I kind of, I grew up in New Jersey. And so I watched a lot of Giants football uh in the 2010s era and he reminds me a lot of victor cruz uh and so it's kind of like if you put victor cruz in like cd lamb's body um (laughs) and just like the shiftiness of him like those salsa dancing hips 
Like everything yeah. he kind of has is is just insane in terms of his package. The one thing that people get on him for is the concentration drops, which I you know I think is something that you know kind of will come with time. I, I don't think that's enough for me to knock him down, because it's, it's kind of like my only negative that I really had watching him. But obviously, it was a thousand yard receiver in twenty twenty one. Also provides a, a lot of stuff after the catch as well. Um, I I was really impressed. You know, Penn State. I mean, had pretty good quarterbacks this year, and you know, he was just able to like dominate them in the He's red zone up. in that game as well. Like it, it just was not even close. That was the game that like kind of teetered me over the edge to Garrett Wilson, wide receiver one, even if I might have already been there. But um, yeah, I I think he's the best wide receiver in this class. I do think it's close compared with the other guys, but I think today's NFL is all about separation, separation, separation. And like, he's the guy that's most able to do that on routes. Uh, I know Steven will talk about, you know, best slot uh, guy that's able to separate is Kyle Phillips. And, you know, I don't disagree, but Garrett Wilson's kind of the more uh, complete receiver. And, and, and in my opinion, the best route runner separator type in this class and, and the way that he can move, is just something that I don't think we've like seen from like a, a Chargers player or like many wide receivers in the NFL draft in like a while. Um, obviously, there's like some that come out, you know, every now and then in the first round, but um, the way he's able to track the ball as well. Uh, I I love Garrett Wilson a lot. Uh, I think he's wide receiver one, and uh, that, that that's kind of my pitch on him. Like I, I just think there's all a lot of question marks on other guys in terms of like their route running ability. Kind of like we talked about with Traylon Burks, obviously Drake London is like six, five and, you know, sort of has that Mike Williams type body to him. So he's like not supposed to be a route runner, but I think Garrett Wilson has kind of the best combination of like good size with also good movement. And uh, that's kind of what sold me on him in terms of tape. Yeah. I think we're, we're all on the same page in terms of liking Garrett Wilson for sure. I think, you know, best route runner in the class. Like I think of the top guys. Sure. Absolutely. Sure. Um, his yards after the catch ability, like just his contact balance is insane. Like, you know, he just does things with the ball in his hands that not many other of these players can do that way in terms of making people miss and, and really gaining yards that way. Um, so I have met too. Drake London is my wide receiver one. I think that what this guy does on a football field is just like crazy to me. You know, I, I totally did not know the whole, like, avoiding the right side thing. That's a little weird to me now that I hear it. But, you know, this guy was their slot receiver in 2020 and for a lot of the portions of this year. In, and he's 6'5". He's 210 pounds. Did you guys know that he played basketball for USC, too? I, know. <laughs> I didn't have to Google that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just think in terms of, like, physicality, I just loved watching the way this guy played it. And typically mm -hmm. when you hear about, like, Oh, he's a basketball player who who's also plays receiver. You don't picture like a bully ball kind of receiver, but that's mm -hmm. what Drake London does. And I know everybody hates it when I talk about Utah, but this man absolutely <laughs> destroyed the University of Utah secondary. And a lot of it was just like short area passes, like catch a slant, break a couple tackles, catch a swing pass, break a couple tackles. Like he just does things physically where, you know, he's playing in the Pac-12 and he's more physically imposing than like Christian Watson is at North Dakota state. Like obviously it's not mm -hmm. a one for one comparison, but the way that he just bullies people is unreal to me. Apparently he's got like a crazy long wingspan and that's going to be like some Marvel at the combine, which I'm really excited to see. I'm curious to see how he runs as well. He's definitely not like a low four, four guy, but 
I'm not necessarily worried about that. And the one thing I think, if you're comparing him to like the other big receivers, he definitely high points the ball better than any yes. other receiver in this class. And, you know, you combine all of these different things. And I think it, it makes a legitimate argument for wide receiver one. And he's the youngest receiver of this mm-hmm. group. He doesn't turn 21 until July after the draft. All these other guys are turning 21 in like the next couple months. Of my 10, I think there's seven birthdays in March, which is kind of a funny <laughs> little detail. Um, but, you know, Drake London is the youngest. I think he's got the most upside in that regard. And I do really like the way that he runs routes. And I think that mm-hmm. USC air raid short area offense lends itself to him becoming a true X receiver. And so I think if you are hunting for a number one X receiver, I think Drake London is your guy. And if the Chargers do not retain Mike Williams, then Drake London is who I want at 17. I think he's probably the only receiver on this list where I don't want the Chargers to draft him if Mike Williams is still on the roster because Mm -hmm. that's kind of redundant. They're very similar skill sets. Right. But I I think you look at the way that Drake London maintains his balance, the way that he plays under control, the way that he runs routes, and just kind of the variety in which that he can win and make an impact is unlike anybody else. So I think I totally understand what Tyler is saying about Traylon Burks. And I think if it were not for like the route running and high pointing ability, I would probably have him higher. But I look at what Drake London does after the catch. I look at what Drake London does at the high point of the routes. And I think for me, that's kind of the difference between the two of them. Same with Mm -hmm. George Pickens. But I love Drake London, man. I think he really is the wide receiver. It really sucks that he broke his foot. He was probably on base for like a 2,000-yard kind of season. But uh, maybe a Heisman contender. But I, I'm a big fan of Drake London for sure. Yeah, and and I think the thing that we talk about is like just guys that use their size differently. Because like yeah. you could say, you know, I think a lot Drake London gets a lot of well. If Mike Williams leaves, then you know mm-hmm. the Chargers could go after him. But like they they use their size differently, right? Like I wouldn't categorize Mike Williams as a guy that's hard to bring down per se, right? Whereas Drake London is just a human bowling yeah. ball, um, you know. And and that's also true. I think when you talk about both of them as uh, route runners, like I just think Drake London is a little bit like cleaner um, in, in that sense as well uh, in terms of what he can do um, in that respect. So I I think there's you know for a six four six five guy like i think they all kind of get typecast into contested catch dudes but i don't think Drake mm-hmm. london is just that no not at all so i'll because we didn't get the chance to talk about garrett wilson i'll say he's they'll run routes or excuse me they'll run plays that have they, he's, he's not involved with them at all like it's clearly going to the right side and he's on the left or whatever and for whatever reason i don't think anybody else does this he's still running routes regardless of whether the, the, the play goes to him or not or if it's even supposed to go to him yeah. It's just kind of like Mechie, just a mental nightmare. There's a play against Clemson where he blocks a guy from the 50 to the 20 in the run game. Um, there's a chance that he tests pretty well, too. So, you know, I I think he's probably the safe. He feels like the safest bet of this group. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. kind of why I have him at two. Could I see the fourth or fifth guy being better than him? Sure. But I think he's probably the safest of this group. Uh, and yeah, Drake London, man. Like, I just... It's like watching a slightly shorter Donald Parham, but like super <laughs> yeah. strong and a bull. Like the way that I feel like Parham's more finesse, but the way that Parham can pick up yards after the catch, we just totally shouldn't be able to do that at six eight. That's kind of the same with Drake London, but Drake London is just more physically imposing with his like like 
a strong physicality, I guess, more than finesse. Um, just incredible. I, I, I just, it's such a bummer that we didn't get to see more of him yeah. or just more of him on the outside, you know, in, uh, in 2020. Um, shoot, where did I have my notes on him there? So I went through and I just, I did this for Burks as well, but I went through three games of London's the all 22 and just tallied up where his catches were. And I was surprised that of all the catches he had, he only had one post corner or dig. Um, and that was from the slot on the three games that I watched again, random sample size, um, just three random games that we had all 22 access to. And again, it's a scheme thing. It's a quarterback thing. It's a U.S. thing. It's a coach thing. It's a defense thing. There's so much that goes into that. I just want to, I wish I had seen him have a couple more catches, you know, on a post, on a corner, on a dig, you know, I have him at 40% on flats or screens, you know, uh, there was an out and up. Oh, I forget what game it was. He had an out and up. That was so good. And some of his, is that it? Yeah. So, 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 so good. There's things that he does so well. I just, I wish he had seen kind of a little bit more of those vertical route tree from him, but I think he can do it. I just, it's, it's annoying. Like everything that I'm saying that feels like a knock, I think he can do. I just wish I'd seen more of it. Uh, and I guess it's kind of a, like, I totally understand why you like Burke so much because we see everything with Burks. Like you see him do all of the routes, you see him do everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the Drake London projection, I think is a lot of betting on tools for me um that usc offense definitely limited and put him into more of a box than like Traylon burks or garrett wilson but you know i I think you bet on the tools he is another feldman's freak list guy so he he jumps reportedly above 40 inches in the vertical jump um so that is definitely something i think is on tape as well so i'm a big fan of him so um let's talk about guys that we think you know you can use the term sleeper honorable mention if you want to mention a guy who just missed the cut um, mm-hmm. For me, my favorite sleeper in this class is Velas Jones, formerly USC, transferred to Tennessee. And, you know, I gave him a, a late second, early third round grade because I just don't think he has a ton of experience as a receiver. You know, I mentioned the poor showings at the Senior Bowl and he was there. <laughs> um, but I think he showed the ability to become a better route runner. So he was exclusively a special teams guy at USC. He barely got, barely saw the field at receiver. Of course, he's behind you know, Drake London, Amon Ross, St. Brown, all these guys that USC has. And he goes to Tennessee and actually makes a really big impact there as a receiver. But I think in terms of those late round receivers, you're looking for some receiving upside. You're looking for some special teams play. He is an outstanding special teams player. I think he had like three return touchdowns just for Tennessee. I think he had a couple more at USC. So he really is like a great special teams with receiving upside kind of player. You watch his returns. He actually kind of reminds me of Andre Roberts a little bit in terms of physical profile, body type, running style, all that stuff. And uh, and when he was a senior in high school, he had the same 100-meter dash time as Calvin Austin. They both ran a 10.55 as their career best in high school. The speed with Ellis Jones is crazy good. He's got physical profile to be that like gadget type returner specialist right away, and then potentially develop into a better route runner. Uh, he was a fifth year senior, of course, as Thomas points out. So he is older. I think he might have been a six year COVID guy, actually, too. But um, he's my favorite sleeper day three guy of this class. It's hard to determine where these guys are going to go. So a guy that I don't know if he's really a sleeper. But a guy that I had, I want to watch more of, but I had so much fun watching him was Khalil Shakir, the wide receiver from Boise State. 
uh, a guy that you know i'm sure you can see the stuff that he does deep but i was so so impressed with his contact balance and the, like he runs like a running back after the catch there are just some guys you know whether you watch him on a punt return or you watch him on a swing route or you know take a slant for you know, x amount of yards there's there's plays where he's breaking one two three tackles and that's like twice three times a game it's probably not that statistically but it feels like that because he just has such excellent contact balance i think he's a guy that you, you never really want him as a wide receiver one or even two and i think he's going to go probably third fourth round based on like where the draft network has him but he just does something really special after the catch and the way he runs that I think he could be a real problem for offenses because he, from the slot or from wherever you need him, he can win vertically, sure. But he's also just like, he's basically what you'd want Jalen Guyton to have been this past season, I think. A guy who maybe isn't as fast, but he can win vertically just as fine. And then he just, but he just runs with a physicality that's so different and unique to a guy that's his size. I really like him. I don't know if he's really a sleeper because a lot of people like him, but he's a guy that just didn't make my top 10. Yeah, um, I, I think if you're just kind of like looking at guys, Khalil Shakir is a fun guy. Um, you know, I, I, now that the Rams won the Super Bowl, there's a lot of like, oh, this guy's Cooper Cup uh, when you look at <laughs> my receivers now. But he like kind of is a little bit like I, I sort of see it in terms of the, the route running that he has there and, and what he's able to do after the catch as well. Um, that, that's It's pretty fun. Uh, one of my sleepers is Justin Ross from Clemson. Uh, I think that, he, you know, he had that big coming out party in the national championship game a couple of years ago. And you're like, now he might go undrafted, uh, which is just kind of the sad thing when it comes to his injury last year and just, you know, didn't look the same this year. But if I'm looking at a guy maybe in like fifth, sixth, seventh rounds where he's kind of been projected to go. Um, in a lot of these like mock drafts or, you know, on these simulators, I, I feel like I just kind of have to take a chance on the upside there, even if he may not look the same. Cause you know, if you could get a guy who can give you like top 50 draft receiver production and, you know, you're taking him at 150 or 160. Um, I, I just feel like that is kind of a, a really great potential player to have if he can get back to what he was. Uh, and then my last sleeper will be Romeo Dubs from Nevada, who I watched a lot of by proxy because I watched a lot of Carson Strong, who is uh, no spoiler alert for a future episode we'll never do because we have a quarterback, but QB1. Uh, and I, I thought he was really fun because he's going to be a guy that runs like 4-4, four, 4-5, four, four, uh, and also is a good vertical threat as well. You saw that in a lot of games like the, the Fresno State one, uh, which is really fun from him. Like uh, one of Steven Sleeper's uh, poopy senior bowl, uh, reportedly. Uh, yeah. That is what I heard. Uh, not a senior bowl guy, but that, that is what people say. But uh, I, I think he has a lot of interesting uh, traits that, it, you know, if you can kind of get him in a pro style offense. Could be interesting. Um, does have some hand drop problems, though, but uh, is one of my sleepers. Yeah, Justin Ross, it really sucks because he was he was the next Clemson guy, right? Like, you know, Clemson wide receiver, you all that stuff, and then has that neck injury. But uh man, just just brutal scenario there. And then of course DJ Uyangalale being really bad did not help his case this year. Um, kind of a rough watch from that perspective. But I think from an injury perspective, he's probably off my personal board, but I, I totally get it. You you take the upside there. I'm surprised you didn't talk about Bo Melton, man, because I think Bo Melton, Rutgers receiver, is a guy that there is a lot to like. There's not a ton of production. I hated the way that Rutgers used him. 
mm-hmm. but kind of gave me Tyler Lockett vibes in terms of being like a little undersized speed guy. I know he didn't have a great showing as a punt returner at the senior bowl because they were instructing him to take that punt, even if he was in the end zone. But um, I think in terms of a late day three flyer, I think there is some, some good special teams, wide receiver three upside there uh, reportedly going to run like a flow four, four. So we'll see there, but um, he's somebody to keep an eye on as well. Yeah. I love Bo Melton. You know, some of us just don't feel the need to mention our alma maters all the time. <laughs> That's because yours isn't very good at football. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> okay, if was any we're good. offensively <laughs> challenged in, in in the football, but we're good in basketball right now, baby. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And you guys uh, had Ray Rice. Oh, shit. <laughs> Thanks. Well, he was very good. Uh, also, you know, also, unfortunately, uh, good power. Yeah, real home run hitter. All right. Yeah. But no, I. I like Bo Melton a lot, uh, you know, really troubled by just having bad quarterback, bad offensive play all the time. Uh, but, you know, I mean, what he was able to do at the senior bowl uh, it can have a little bit of a drop issue sometimes. But, it, you know, is a guy that I think a team is going to take a day three flyer on and, and really fall in love with him. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I do like Bo Melton, even if I uh, don't don't mention Rutgers too much on the show because we're bad. One more guy I do want to shout out that's basically just when you call for verts, if you watch him is Romeo dubs. If you watch him, the wide receiver from Nevada, like it, I'm not saying he can only do that, but it's like, they only asked him to do that. That was and the he's got this, strong offense, man. <laughs> yeah. For whatever reason, I, I don't know if he's running his routes at like 90%, but he'll push vertically and, and you just see the quarterback wind up and you could totally see Justin Herbert doing this. He winds up, throws to him. And it's like Dubs has a burst after he's in full sprint. Like once he realizes that he maybe needs to adjust to go a little bit faster to make sure he catches this football, he has like an extra burst at the top of it that is really unique to the guys in this class. I think that's kind of like he doesn't do a whole lot. I think he actually tries too hard on his footwork sometimes. Like, yeah, get get off the line, dude. You got to get off the line. But, um, you know, an interesting dart throw sort of, you know, early day three guy to keep an eye on. Yeah, you guys, you guys both liked up a little bit. I, I really liked what I saw. I was at the Fresno State game, and I was like, man, this guy like has all the physical tools. Another one of those like six two, six three, long, fast guys. But I mean, when I say he had a bad senior bowl, man, like, and that's not the end all be all evaluations. But I mean, our guy Joshua Williams completely pressed him out mm-hmm. of a route that happened three or four times. Uh, Tariq Castro Fields did it as well had some drop issues. So um, just a really poor showing there, but um, really quickly before we finish, interesting question from Matt Nicholson in the chat here, where would Josh Palmer rank among these guys? I would tend to lean more towards like Josh Palmer from Tennessee, as opposed to what we know now, but Tyler, any thoughts there? Well, as I said earlier, I basically turned off the tape of Tennessee because I hated watching that (laughs) quarterback. So I'm just going to give it from the perspective of sort of like, I imagine that what he was in the NFL kind of is sort of what he was in college. I don't know if that's true or not, but I feel like we kind of know him as a you know guy who runs routes really well, a guy who beat Pat Sertan on that deep route, obviously. Where would he be in this group? Um, not ahead of Mechie, not ahead of Watson, not ahead of Dotson. You can make an argument that he's ahead of, of Calvin Austin just because of the size difference and that he can run routes very well. I feel like he'd fall in like, so I have David Bell at 11 and we didn't talk about him. And I think a lot of people are going to be unhappy 
I feel like he would fall in like 11th where David Bell is. But again, I didn't watch him in college, so I don't know. Yeah, so I did watch him in college. He was one of my my sleeper guys. Um, yeah, I think last year, just off the top of my head, I think I had him at 15 or 16. Um, but I, I think, you know, in that 11 to 14 range probably sounds right for him, knowing what we know now. I think he's, you know, a little bit more physical than some of these players. I would definitely not have him over Austin or not have him over Kyle Phillips or Mechie. So Mechie I have as my wide 12 right now. I think so just kind of by process of elimination, I think it'd be 13 or 14 for me. Cool. All right. So um, Sorry, yeah, none, of us have, <laughs> none of us have David Bell in our top tens. Uh, none of us really like him. So I know a lot of people are going to hate that. A lot of people comparing him to Devontae Adams, which I think is complete bullshit, but that's just me. Um, but guys, any other final thoughts here before we head out? Um, I think this group isn't that great, but I think it's very good. And I think the Chargers taking one at 17 would be fine depending on their needs, but I think you can find guys later on, I think even more so than last year, that are just good dudes in the second and third round. And I think the Chargers being patient would really pay off here. Yeah, I, I think if you're talking about receiver for the Chargers, it probably is a guy that is going to be in the later rounds. Um, although I, I feel like there's less difference between the guys at the top, maybe yeah. like one in this class versus 10 is probably a lot less than last year, right? And you're probably not going to get as many guys in this class that are just immediate contributors and, you know, freak shows, right? Like, you know, uh, Jalen Waddle sets the rookie receptions record. Devonta Smith sets the Eagles yards record. And then uh, Jamar Chase uh, <laughs> leads the drags the Bengals to the Super Bowl against Stevens will uh, and you know, wins <laughs> offensive rookie of the year. So, you know, I don't think there's like any of those guys uh, necessarily in this class. Like Garrett Wilson's my wide receiver one. And he'd probably be like wide receiver four last year. But I also kind of think that means the class is a little bit more balanced. Uh, a little less top heavy in that if the chargers want to wait till round two or three, they probably can. Um, uh, but obviously that depends on what happens with Mike Williams is kind of the, the big canary in the coal mine there. Yeah. I, I definitely don't think this class has like a true top dog. I mean, the three of us each have a different wide receiver one. Um, whereas I feel like, you know, Jamar chase was pretty universal. I happen to think that CD lamb should have been pretty universal that year. I don't think this class has that kind of player where you're clearly wide receiver one. I have London and Wilson graded very closely. I've uh, London at an even seven and Wilson at a 6.9. So, you know, they're all really close. They're all jumbled right there. I think this class, what it lacks for in a top dog really makes up with a lot of good depth, like you guys are saying. So unless Mike Williams is gone, like I'm more than okay adding a receiver and they should add a receiver. I know it's not a huge need, but I, I think they do need to find a legitimate wide receiver three. And I know that Palmer showed a lot of good signs, but that shouldn't stop them from adding to the group. So I think you can add one in the third, fourth round and be fine. If Mike Williams is back, obviously if he isn't, then that changes things, but I really like the depth of this class. There's a lot of good players. Like, I mean, John Mechie at wide receiver 12 for me, like I really like Mechie. And so I, I think this does have 
a, a good deep group as opposed to not having a, a true top dog or even a second top dog. Yeah, completely agree. So uh, that was a lot of fun. It went a little bit longer than I thought it would be, but it's all good. All right. Um, next time we'll be doing our offensive tackle rankings. So we went from Alex's favorite position to talk about to my favorite position to talk about. Really excited. Alex, Alex looks so stoked to talk about offensive tackles. I can't wait, uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And then uh, we're a few days away from finding out about a potential tag for, for Mike Williams. So uh, hopefully getting some clarity on the Chargers draft needs relatively soon. And then we're a few short weeks away from free agency. We're going to do a mock free agency episode next week. So excited about that one as well. And then we will continue to uh, pump out some other videos that we each do on our own. So uh, check out Alex's free agency video. <laughs> if you want to hear why the Chargers should not sign Mike Kosicki, uh, go check that one out that Tyler did uh, on Saturday. So that's going to do it for us today, guys. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.